Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome. You're listening to Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. My name is Layla, and we're so happy to have you here with us. But before we get into the word, let's take a moment and pray. Lord, we thank you for today, Lord, and we thank you for another opportunity to get to know you better, Lord, to learn who you are, Lord, your heart, your ways, and your thoughts, Lord, so that we're able to do everything that you asked us to do, Lord, in the manner that you asked us to do it. Lord, we thank you for our partners and listeners, Lord. We thank you for the blessing that's upon their lives, Lord. And we thank you for the opportunity to discuss the word with them this morning, Lord, and that they're available and they're growing and learning in you, Lord. We thank you for all the good things that you've done for us and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. We're glad to have you with us as we dive into the word and continue in the book of Hebrews. And this morning... We are going to be in chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. So could I get a volunteer to read that section of scripture, please? I will. All right, Charles. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest ye become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord chastens, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjugation to the Father of spirits and lives? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Amen. All right. So, as is our custom, the floor is open to give each of you the opportunity to share what Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you and to ask any questions that you have. So, who'd like to begin? I would. All right, Charles. The first thing that the Lord was sharing with me is that we have to understand that as we are going forward in faith and as we're moving forward, we have to be conscious of all things that are around us. In the example of Jesus, he wasn't unaware of the devil at any point, meaning that he wasn't following him as humans we want to, thinking that we have to spy him out and see exactly what he's playing to make sure we don't fall into it. We have to understand it first so we don't fall into it. 
but just understand that Jesus was always prepared and ready in every season. Um, and Paul says this in, I believe it's Galatians, be ready in season and out of season, meaning that it doesn't matter when it comes or when something occurs, that we are always ready and willing to do the work that the Lord has set before us. And that's ultimately what the Lord was getting at, is that as we're moving forward in faith, we can't put any dampers on it. Meaning that as you and um, mommy often say that faith is the currency, but we can also think about it as a road. You want to put something in the middle of the road that you know you can't drive over or can't get around. You would say that's a hindrance and you're ultimately harming yourself. Kind of like a wall. You should not attempt to drive through a brick wall. It's not going to work. So as we're moving forward, we have to clear all the obstacles out of the path that it's essentially that brick wall that stops us from going forward inside what the Lord has for us, which is the sin that so easily ensnares us. But slightly, you, oh, you were talking ahead, about Second Timothy four two. Preach yes. the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, Ooh. exhort, with all long suffering and teaching. Thank you, Mama. You're welcome, darling. So, um, also going to talking about the sin that so easily ensnares us, we have to think about it as well as that it's us who choose to be ensnared. Kind of like in the example of hunting, the bird chooses to be where that snare is. The hunter doesn't put his neck through it. The bird does it himself. He willingly goes there because he sees something that he desires. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we are inside of this life as well. <laughs> and then he ignores all the suspicious materials around it. <laughs> And all the mm-hmm. other birds that are already trapped, the bird, you know, the one that is yet to be trapped and is about to be ignores all the other signs and it continues to nibble on the treat that was there that he desired and himself becomes ensnared. Yes. Meaning that for in our lives is us who ensnares us. The sin is not doing anything. Meaning that the sin is always there and has always been there. It's going to continue to be there until we return to heavenly community. But it's up to us if to resist it. Mm-hmm. Like with Jesus, he was around sinners all day long. He was around the Pharisees, around his disciples at points. Mm-hmm. And they weren't flawless. Mm-hmm. They were, I won't say sinners, but they still had things to correct with him in ways they need to improve. But he didn't allow that to corrupt him. And he didn't choose to partake in in it like what we see the example of um when he was talking to the pharisees he said why does your he was the disciples were talking to the pharisees and the pharisees asked them why does your teacher sit down with sinners and tax collectors mm-hmm. and the lord responded i have not come to call those who are well but those who have need um, of repentance uh, i appreciate what you said and let's also look at that something let's put in a proper order and perspective right the Lord, through through the Apostle Paul, has just written about all these natural human, right, servants of the Lord, who chose to exclusively do the will of the Father above everything else, to hold fast in faith, to be unshakable, right? Yes. Now, this also shows the humility that Paul has, because Paul experienced many of those things, right? Whippings, yes. Beatings, scourgings. Uh, stoning the whole gamut, right? Being shipwrecked. I mean, a, a ton of, in the natural, Chains horrific things mm-hmm. and persecution, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But then we get down to the beginning of chapter 12. And he doesn't mention himself by name, but then he he puts in, therefore we also, 
since we, right, is an inclusion in this, saying you can have the exact same things and need to be in the exact same place that these heroes of faith were in, in their faith, unshakable, right? He's done everything in this except for, say, include his name amongst these heroes of faith, the, the Apostle Paul at this point, right? Yes. yes. And he's experienced it at the hand of his own people who were used by the adversary to carry out the adversary's plans against him. But then what does he begin to talk about? Yes, this cloud of witnesses that we have, right? You've not yet resisted to bloodshed. Clearly Paul had, right? Was it five times he received 39 lashes? Yes, he had bled, but not the same kind of bloodshed that Jesus that G- Christ Exactly, had. yes. Like he literally there by himself struggling Amen. to overcome the temptation to the point that he sweat great drops of blood. Absolutely. Uh, so there's even, a huge difference. Yeah, so even Paul could go, I haven't gotten there yet. It hadn't well, been that serious for me yet. That's, that's the mm-hmm. point I'm getting at, is even though he had up to a certain point, it did Maybe. not meet the fullness of what the Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus mm-hmm. the Christ did. So he's still saying, hey, I've got lots of work to do, which is why he then, in verses 3 through 11, gets into... He's talking about the discipline of the Lord, but really, what does that come down to? Refinement. The same thing the Lord talks about throughout the entirety of Scripture, and especially in the Old Testament, right? In Jeremiah especially, right? The refining goes on in vain. The dross was never scraped off. Those things, those impurities, the things that didn't reflect the Lord's nature, character, and attributes were never removed from people's lives, which is what we are called to have done in us. In it, ha- scraping off that dross, removing those impurities is a blessing and a benefit, but also sets us up, positions us to receive all that the Lord has for us in our life. And Paul is saying, hey, I haven't gotten it yet. And there are those that have gone before us in the heavenly community watching us. And I'm moving forward in that and towards that high calling and prize. And he exhorts his his brethren, right, fellow Hebrews or the Jews of the day, to do the exact same thing. And he's exhorting us today as well, those that have the opportunity to be grafted in and those that have been grafted in. Mm-hmm. Yes, dude. And he was um, talking. Oh, promise, were you supposed to be? Did I, did I cut you off? Oh, I'm so sorry, honey. Sorry. After promise speaks, then I'll. Then I'll jump in there. All right, honey. honey. Well, thank you, Mommy. You're welcome, darling. Dad, as you're speaking, the Lord had brought my attention to verse 2, where it's talking about how that God should be, as in Jesus, should be our pattern and example. Mm-hmm. And the Lord especially brought my attention to the part where it said that he did not despise the passing shame, but he looked forward to the joy that was set before him, as in the joy of seeing us enjoy his blessing. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was reminding me of how, especially inside my own life, the main reason that I wanted to be like Christ was so I can make it to heaven for myself. <laughs> okay. And, Amen. That's important. You got to get there. But don't be worried about just yourself getting there. Go ahead. Yes. And how the Lord was encouraging me to go further with that because I won't be able to do what God asked me to do completely because I'm more so focused on myself 
than going, Lord, is this what you want? Mm -hmm. Going back for a brief second to chapter 11, they're doing these things and the prophets and those who are being persecuted were doing God's will because they were were more so worried about what God wanted versus their own well-being. And not worried in the sense of worrying, fretting, or being afraid, but they were occupied with, they were concerned with doing and busy doing what the Lord asked them to do. Amen. Um, rather than being concerned solely for their own life. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up, Promise. So when we look back at verse 40 of Hebrews 11, there's something interesting that is said there. It says, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Amen. We've talked about this in the past, that a lot of times what God is asking us to do is not just for our own personal life, but it's for someone else to reap the benefit of it. And we are still today reaping the harvest or the fruit of the seeds that people who went before us and believe God sowed. Abraham was an example of that. His faith, um, not only to leave his um, father's household and journey to the land that God sold, uh, showed to him, but also his faithfulness in believing for Isaac, offering up Isaac on the um, as a sacrifice to the Lord or being willing to do so, and teaching his children afterward, all those things sowed seed that we are now able to partake of because we are able to become um, like Abraham or in the regard of being believers the way Abraham was. And the seed of Abraham also came through that line of faithfulness, who is Jesus Christ, and we get to be partakers of salvation through him. So when God was ministering to these people, you think about the prophets they were fine with God. He was using them, mm-hmm. right? They could have just said, all right, Lord, we, we, you know, take me on the heaven. But they continued to minister to the people what the correction of the Father was, what the guidance of the Lord was, so that they could be saved. And all of these people leaving these faith-filled examples are for us as well. For Daniel, he wanted to understand the 70 weeks. But at the same time, really, all he needed to do was live his life because all he really could have asked God for is what's going to be my outcome? What's my life going to look like before you? Who cares about what's going to happen to Israel? What does the 70 weeks mean? How does this compare? But Why he, should I repent for their sins? But he cared for the people. Exactly. So he allowed his faith to be used as an open door for other people. And God is sowing us in the in the earth and wants to use us so that we can use our faith not only for the saving of ourselves or our household, but that our faith would be an open door for other people. Now, when you look down at verse two, that's also something I wanted to talk about. When you see that word despising the shame, typically when I read that word from a humanistic standpoint, Mm -hmm. it means hating the shame. But really what it means is he didn't make a big deal out of it the shame that he was going to face because he looked over the shame that was currently standing in front of him. We talked about this last episode. They looked Mm -hmm. beyond what was showing in their face at the moment to see what God had already said. And so Jesus looked to the joy of us being able to come into salvation because of his actions, because of his faithful witness and sacrifice and his willingness to be disciplined by the father and the way of facing these hard testing and trials. The, the scripture says that he learned obedience through his suffering, right? Yes, yes, mommy. And he 
look beyond the initial, the immediate circumstance to see what was going to be on the other side. And he pressed through. He pressed through. So despising the shame doesn't mean I hate being ashamed, which is oftentimes how I've taken that. I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want this heart testing and blowing that up in my perspective out of proportion. And I'm going, why do I have to do this? Lord, why does my life look like this? Everybody else seems like they're sailing in the wind which I venture to say the apostle Paul was having a similar moment with God and God was saying, Hey, put this in perspective, because if you continue Mm -hmm. to blow out of proportion, how this shame looks, the embarrassment, the people that were mocking him and thinking they'd had victory over Christ Jesus when they um, put him on the cross or, or thinking they had victory over the apostle Paul because they put him in prison and, um, the people thinking they had victory over the prophets because they killed them. Right. If he had focused on that, then he would have missed the hand of God and the movement of God. Abraham, if he had complained, why I got to walk around the desert all day long, Jesus, everybody else has a city and a town and they're right. They're setting up their own kingdoms and they're doing all this, that, and the other. And you're making me walk around in circles and living in tents. I've been buying this terebinth tree. This is the 10th time I've come around here. He didn't do that. He looked forward to God, whatever you're asking me to do. I know it's for my good and your good purpose, and I'll benefit from it. It's going to bless my life, and it's going to be a blessing to the scope and the magnitude that you foresee, that you already know. So I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to go through the process. I'm going to finish what you asked me to do. And then talking about Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith, he's the beginning of it. He's the one who planted that seed in your heart and spoke to you and said, come to me. I have good plans for you. I have something that I want you to do, and I want to work something in your life, but also through you for the other generations that are going to come into the earth because he's going to continue his process until this thing is all the way done. As far as the earth is wrapped up, sin and iniquity and wickedness is thrown into the lake of fire, not just hell, but even hell itself is thrown into the lake of fire. And his family is fully reconciled and redeemed to himself in the heavenly community without any more separation between us and him. And and who's his family? Those Those who do the will of the Father. Father. Okay, that's what he said, right? Who are my mother and my brothers? Those that do the will of my Father in heaven, right? His heavenly Father. Yes. So there we go. Just so it's crystal clear in everyone's minds. There's no mistaking it. Amen. Amen. And then as he transitions to talk to how a father um, disciplines us, and we think of discipline as far as getting a spanking or something painful or unpleasant that we don't like, but he's really talking about here the discipline that says, continue to follow me. I know that you have had plans. I know Mm -hmm. that you may not want to go this way, but I'm asking you to come this way. Just as exactly what we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane with our Lord and Savior. There was a million routes that could have been taken, right? God has a million ways to do any one thing, but there's only one that he's chosen as his best and his absolute best plan and perfect will being done. And so Jesus had to say, I know that there's a, I know because he's God. He knows the myriad wisdom of God. He knows the fullness of what that means. And yet, and still, he also knew that the perfect plan of God is the only one that would have perfectly concluded and captured everything that the father wanted to have done to include the son obeying his will. And so he disciplined himself not to be so focused on how rough it was going to be. And sometimes we get defeated in our mind of thinking how the, either what we think is going to happen that's negative or bad or unpleasant to experience or uncomfortable, or we 
blow up in our mind or um, enlarge in our mind what someone else is going to think about us. Yes, and mommy. we allow that to stop us from finishing the course and pursuing the Heavenly Father and the work that he set before us. But he's saying this discipline says put aside your own will. Put aside what you think about it. Put aside your emotions. Put aside your own plans and go forward and finish the work because you have not even touched, as you said, my love, or measured up to the experience that our Lord and Savior had. So keep going and don't be bitter about it. Keep walking by faith and finish the work. Yes, mommy. All right. Well, there's a lot in what we've uh, covered thus far. And we're going to allow the opportunity for Holy Spirit to minister to you and for you to meditate on the word. And and with that, can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, Layla. Lord, we thank you for today, Lord. And we thank you for the smiles that we get to wear on our faces, Lord. We bless you for the good Father that you are to us, Lord, and the good God that you are to us. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, the mercy that you've shown us, and the compassion to take time, Lord, to spend with us, Lord, to help us grow and mature, Lord, to make sure that we're nurtured and cared for and guided and protected, Lord. All the things that you've done for us, Lord, all the discipline that you have given us, Lord, so that we do walk on the path, Lord, and our feet don't stray, Lord, and our hearts are loyal to you all the days of our lives, Lord. We thank you for our partners and listeners, Lord. We ask that you will guide them and protect them, keep watch over them as they go to school, as they go to work, as they travel or do whatever it is that you've asked them to do, Lord. And we thank you for the promotion that you're giving them, Lord, that they're ahead and not behind, Lord, and that they are the lender and never the borrower. And Lord, we thank you for those blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' almighty name, amen. And amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Want to know more about a day of prayer? Sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest updates on the ministry, inspiring messages, and coupon codes for the merch shop. Visit our website, adayofprayer.org. Click on connect in the menu bar and complete the form. Be sure to check the box that says subscribe. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.